In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The third verse of the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. To the apostles, Jesus presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking of the kingdom of God. Hail the day that sees him rise, alleluia, glorious to his native skies, alleluia, Christ a while to mortals given, alleluia, enters now the highest heaven. So, uh, the incarnation is over. It's run its course. Um, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Um, this is the Sunday that we mark uh, what the church has always marked on the 40th day after Easter, the Thursday that was this past Thursday. And the question that I want to pose this morning is, um, how might we summarize the teaching of Jesus, okay? Uh, he came, among other things, to instruct us what was it that he was teaching? What was it that he wanted us to take away? He says in this morning's gospel, you're my witnesses. So what are we witnessing to? What does he want us to carry on? And the things that spring immediately to mind, I mean, of course, first, that God loves us. That's the forgiveness of sins. That God wants us to turn back to him. That's repentance. And we heard this morning that we were to preach forgiveness and repentance. That God wants to enable us to live for him and to live for others. Um, and that's the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. We call that sanctification. These things are certainly a part of what he was teaching. But how might we summarize the message? This is, a, this is a really important question because the church's life um, is always an unfolding of what it is we are witnessing about Jesus. And I want to suggest to you, and, and this happens in, uh, in Scripture so often, but because so many of us are so familiar with the Word of God, we don't actually see what the passage says. Um, the verse with which I began, the third verse of the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. To the apostles, he presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing 
to them during 40 days and speaking, ah, here it is, and speaking of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. This is actually Luke's summary of what Jesus taught about in Eastertide. Okay? From the time he rose from the dead, St. Luke tells us at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles that what Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. I want to suppose that that means it must be awfully important, right? I mean, it, it's, what, it's his departing word. And sometimes departing words are different than the words we speak all along before we know it's time for the valedictory. But I want to suggest to you that in Jesus' case, it's not different at all. Okay? I mean, think again if we're, we're now almost at the end of the church year. We've, we've heard the whole story from the, the prophets to the nativity and the epiphany and all those stories of manifestations and then the whole journey through Lent and Easter. We've had this whole story with all the readings from the Word of God. And what have we heard over and over and over again? We've heard Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is like... The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a marriage feast to which many were invited and yet they had other priorities. And so a whole different people were invited. The kingdom of God is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value sold all that he had. Okay? The choice between everything else and the kingdom, the kingdom of God. When Jesus wants to ask those who are following him about the kingdom, Remember how he puts it, to what may I liken the kingdom of God? And what does Jesus do? He takes a child and puts the child in their midst. And he says, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay? Unless you trust God like you trust your parents unreservedly. No matter what they ask of you or what conditions you must endure. The kingdom of God. What shall I liken it to? To a child. Not like to adults. <laughs> okay? There's a clue in that. Not like things as they are or as they become. The kingdom of God is like a ruler who had a debtor. And when the debtor pleaded with the ruler, the ruler forgave him everything. 
But that debtor had another debtor who could not repay him and so threw him in prison. The first state is like the kingdom of God. The second is like the kingdom of this world. Jesus is always drawing this contrast. The kingdom of God is like ten virgins. Five were wise and five were, five were foolish. I mean, it's hard to read any of Scripture without seeing Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. Indeed, while what the Apostle John, the Evangelist John, reports to us about the great discourses, the I am discourses, is a different style of recording. Nevertheless, throughout John's gospel, these two kingdoms are constantly and consistently contrasted. I, when I am lifted up, will draw all men to myself. The ruler of this world is cast out. Okay? See the picture? Over and over and over again. Two kingdoms. A kingdom, you know, depends on a king. Uh, it depends on a relationship. Now, for many recently, I mean, some of us follow, you know, British politics. <laughs> They're safer for us to follow than American politics, right? <laughs> but neither's very pretty. The, the only great thing about the recent British election, which most of the media sort of cast as Tweedledum and Tweedledee, which of course we've had more than our share of too, um, in the midst of it, a royal princess was born. And for just a little bit, everybody forgot the kingdom of this world and looked to this other kingdom. Of course, that kingdom is make-believe because <laughs> it's still a kingdom of this world. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> he's an American citizen now, so it's okay. <laughs> he still loves the royal family. See, a kingdom is about relationship to a king. It's actually about a different kind of nation, if you will, or a different kind of citizenship. And all of Jesus' teaching is about this citizenship, this nation, this kingdom, which is so utterly different from the kingdoms or kingdom of this world. Now, you know, sometimes bishops make things up. <laughs> now, we're not supposed to, but the, 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 the former Roman bishop of Pittsburgh, Cardinal Whirl, used to say bishops only get in trouble um, when they say something that's unexpected. Um, I'm not going to say anything that's unexpected, but actually I want to make the case that I'm making with you that actually over and over and over again in Scripture, if we want to know the summary of what Jesus was teaching, he was teaching about the kingdom of God, about this relationship, about this other reality that is so different from this world. 
Remember, when Jesus announces his ministry, um, when he goes back to his hometown, when he's back in Nazareth, as Luke tells the story, he quotes the prophet Isaiah to speak about good news to the poor and liberty to the captives and the acceptable year of our God. In the announcement, as Mark tells us, and Jesus surely did both things. In the 15th chapter, the first verse of the gospel according to St. Mark, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, turn around, and believe this good news. You see how consistent it is? And when the disciples ask Jesus to pray, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's also important for us to know that this wasn't just Jesus' teaching. This actually was the apostolic teaching as well. I bet that most of you can't remember the last verse of the Acts of the Apostles. It's verse 30 of chapter 28. Okay? And it runs like this. It's actually a summary of St. Paul's ministry. And Paul lived in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ quite openly and unhindered. What was Paul? All of Paul's letter, all of Paul's teaching, it's about this new kingdom, this new relationship. And you'll remember in the revelation to John, again, this apostolic witness. In the revelation to John, in the 11th chapter uh, and the 15th verse, as the seventh trumpet sounds, we hear the multitude in heaven where he went and is, as well as Father Troutman says, is here with us now through his Holy Spirit. When the seventh trumpet sounded, what they said in heaven is now is the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. That's the verse that Handel sets in the Hallelujah Chorus. That's how central this idea is. Can Jesus' message be summarized? Yes, it can. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about relationship to the king. Not the kings 
or rulers of this world, not to the way in which this world operates, but to this new relationship which we have in Jesus Christ. The angels say in today's reading from Acts, Men of Galilee, why stand ye here looking up into heaven? Our task is to be about the living, preaching, teaching, and building of this new world order until he comes again to finish it all. Until the seventh trumpet sounds and we're able to say the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he alone shall reign forever. Amen.